Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody, we are back. This is the Lightning Round Podcast. I am Garrett Sisti, of course, next to me, as always, for over 200 episodes, Jamie Hoyle. He is at lightning underscore round. And if you did not see the announcement on Twitter... I don't know how you missed it, but Jamie and I are back. We're back to doing a weekly podcast. You'll see us during the season, and you'll also see us this offseason. It's real good to be back doing these podcasts again. It's great to be back. And yeah, we are back back. Not just back for a one-off, but back for good. We got a little a little break. We got a chance to recharge and spend some time with our family. And now that things are going back to normal, we thought maybe it was time to go back to normal with the podcast too. Yeah, and so we've got some surprises in store we'll eventually get to video we are thinking about we've been playing around with the idea of doing patreon and doing some special things for some people that want it and we're going to be back doing draft stuff again too yeah and maybe have some more interactive draft stuff down the line involving patreon once we get that all figured out yep absolutely so that'll be to be determined we'll figure out when we'll get this video stuff up and running when we'll get uh the draft stuff going, Patreon, all that stuff. Just keep listening. We'll be back every week to talk about the Chargers. And today, 
We're going to be talking about training camp. You know, we've kind of done one-off podcasts where we've talked about the draft and everything, but now we're back. Training camp has started. So let's kind of, we're going to break down these position groups. We're going to start with offense and special teams. Our next episode, we'll be covering the defense. So today you're going to hear about offense side of the ball and also the everybody's favorite special teams breakdown that Jamie and I do every year, which lasts about 15 to 20 seconds. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. (laughs) So first... Let's go with the important position groups. It's three guys in camp. It's Justin Herbert, the newly signed free agent Chase Daniel, and the former draft pick Easton Stick. Yeah, so the Chargers enter enter camp with three quarterbacks like they normally do. Um, Obviously, Herbert's a starter, and they are entering with a position battle between Chase Daniel and Easton Stick for the number two job, and hopefully they only carry two active quarterbacks and maybe put one on the practice squad this season and use that extra spot for a different position. So I think when you're looking at, you know, quarterbacks, especially backup quarterbacks, you kind of have to look at a couple of things. One is how much do you have to scale the offense back, quote unquote, dumb things down um, when he's in the game in order for him to be effective? What does he offer either from a mental acumen standpoint or a skill set standpoint or both that the starter doesn't, that gives him maybe a different wrinkle. They can put packages in for him, things like that. Um, and third is how can he maybe help the starter get better, especially in a case like this where your quarter, your starter is entering his second season. So in my opinion, I think this, the fact that they even signed chase Daniel kind of indicates that Easton sticks days on the team are done. Uh, so far through the first four days in camp, they've been rotating, have Daniel and stick between the second and third teams. Um, and it seems like Daniel's had more big plays and more splash plays with the offense so far. Stick has turned the ball over a couple times. He's had a couple of rough outings, hasn't been as impressive. Neither one necessarily jumping off the page, but you're getting that more steady performance out of Daniel. I know he he ended practice last week with a touchdown pass, or I'm sorry, yes, on Saturday, I should say, with a touchdown pass. Uh, he ended the red zone portion with a touchdown pass. So he he's making plays. He's not hurting the team. He's doing his thing. And I think when you look at Daniel versus stick, it really comes down to Justin Herbert's learning a new offense. Um, Many of the concepts that they are learning in this offense came from new Orleans. Chase Daniel has experience in that system. He's been around for a long time. He's seen it all in terms of coverages and disguises and things like that. He's the kind of guy I think that you want around to help mentor your young quarterback. Stick maybe made a little bit more sense as a long-term backup when Philip Rivers was here. Since he's athletic, he can move around, you know, create with his legs. The arm strength isn't really as big as it is for Herbert. Um, Herbert runs well, so you don't really need that wrinkle from your backup quarterback. So I think as things play out, you'll probably wind up seeing Chase Daniel win this job, and Easton Stick's days are probably numbered with the team. And the team even signed um, K.J. Costello, the former Stanford quarterback, earlier this week. So maybe they're looking at him as a potential project on the practice squad. Uh, But I do think Daniel wins this job just because they need that experience behind Herbert. They need somebody to help him with the film study, help him to recognize coverages and disguises and things like that. And you need that steady hand to come in and help run the offense from some level of experience in the event that Herbert's not able to play. So I think all those things line up for Chase Daniel to win that second string quarterback job for the Chargers. Yeah, so the obvious is the Chargers starters, Justin Herbert, and I happen to agree with you. I think Chase Daniel is 
most likely the backup, and those are pretty much locked in. You know, they signed Daniel to a one-year deal, but if Easton Stick can outperform Daniel, he can win that QB2 spot. It's not like they're married to him at all. They, he only signed for over a million dollars. He's 35. He's cuttable, obviously, but Easton Stick in his first two years hasn't done enough to really expect him to leapfrog a guy like Chase Daniel. And one of the points that you made that I was going to make is that Easton Stick doesn't really have a wrinkle that you would want from a backup quarterback. You know, there's a lot of when, of course, the last year there was that package that Anthony Lynn decided to run where Easton Stick had a designed run and then a pass play. And it was like Justin Herbert could do that and better. We saw just, you know, Easton Stick got a yard, maybe. He got tackled with line of scrimmage. And so, you know, it's not like Easton Stick has the speed over Justin Herbert or adds another wrinkle that Justin Herbert doesn't have in his game. So having a veteran guy like Chase Daniel as your backup makes the most sense. Again, we've talked about this multiple times. I know we've been away for a while, but keeping three quarterbacks does not make any sense unless you have an absolute gem as your third quarterback that can offer something extra, extra special. And the Chargers do not have that. So I would not like them to keep three quarterbacks. I think it's probably going to be Justin Herbert, Chase Daniel, like you do. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, with da- with Daniel, I mean, I'm sorry, with Easton Stick is when the Chargers first drafted him, there was an instant comparison to Taysom Hill with New Orleans um, because they have similar, they're basically the same height. There's kind of the same weight. They're both athletic. And it was like, oh, he can play special teams. He can do this. He can do that. He gives them all these options. Well, unless there's a complete change in philosophy and a ch- complete change in the way that Brandon Staley views Easton stick. I think it's unlikely you see a guy like him on special teams. In fact, he hasn't had any special teams play at all with the team um, so far this camp. So it doesn't seem like that's something that's in the offing. And I just think that, you know, Taysom Hill is a completely different animal than Easton stick is. They may be the same height and weight, but Taysom Hill is a much better athlete. He's just thicker and stronger, and he can play more positions. I mean, you're not going to put Easton Stick in to play tight end. No. So there's just no wrinkle there. And everything he does, Justin Herbert does better. So there's no value in putting him in the game on a one-off package and taking Justin Herbert off the field. And I think you look at a guy who you really do have to scale the offense back most likely in order for him to be remotely effective in the event that Herbert gets hurt. I just think you can stick Daniel in. He can run the offense efficiently without hurting you, keep you in games, and give the defense a chance to win games. And I'm not sure Easton Stick offers that. And then you add the experience, the ability to help Justin Herbert develop. I just think it's a no-brainer. I I think it'd be very difficult for Easton Stick to win that backup quarterback job. And this this regime, this coaching staff, I should say, didn't draft him. So there's no Mm -hmm. emotional ties to him to begin with. No. Not at all. So let's move down to running backs, and there are five on this listing camp. It is Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, Joshua Kelly, the rookie Larry Roundtree, and Darius Bradwell. Now, we know Austin Eckler's RB1. He should have an expanded role in Lombardi's offense. We saw in a video recently with Brandon Staley saying, man, I love you in the open field on those screen passes. So you're going to see a lot of dump-offs and probably some big chunk yards from Austin Eckler getting the ball in his hands in the passing game. Of course, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are going to compete for that RB2 role, but will probably split carries depending on the hot hand, depending on what they need. And also, Jackson got cleared to go back on the field, so he's ready to go now. The six-round pick, Larry Roundtree, is a short-yardage power back. We talked about him during the draft. He can grind out tough yards, wear down a defense. He looked pretty good in college doing that, and he displayed some great contact balance and power. So the question is, 
now, who is going to be that short yardage back? Because a guy we're going to be talking about in a little bit is Gabe Neighbors, who was a guy who was the short yardage back last year for the Chargers. And if you have both guys, it could be redundant. But then the last guy, Darius Bradwell, we saw him play in two games last season. He didn't get a carry. He's kind of a camp body right now. He could make his way on the practice squad because of his familiarity with the team. But right now, there's probably four guys competing for spots. And Larry Roundtree's got to kind of stand out now with uh, a guy like Gabe Neighbors. Um, well, I think Neighbors is going to fill a different role for the Chargers. So I, the fact that they used a draft pick on Roundtree, I think, suggests that he probably has the inside track at making the roster. Um, and I think what you're looking I've seen a lot of people predict that Joshua Kelly – might not make the roster. Hmm. Um, they did just use a fourth round pick on him last year, even though it wasn't the current coaching staff. So there's no ties there. I don't think Kelly is the one on the cutting board. Personally, I think Justin Jackson's probably on the outside looking in right now. You're talking about a guy who, while he is explosive and shifty and he can make people miss in the open field and he has had flashes of being very exciting, he's also a guy who, quite honestly, is never healthy. And he already missed the first couple of days of camp this year due to COVID restrictions. So yep. I think he's going to have to really stand out, show he's durable and can stay healthy and really earn the running back three job, which I think is going to come down to him and, and um, Larry Roundtree. I think Joshua Kelly's probably RB two just by virtue of the fact that he was, he's a year removed from being a, a fourth round pick. And he did show some flashes last year, even though he got buried by the previous coaching staff uh, towards the middle of the season. So I think, more than likely, you're probably looking at Eckler, um, Kelly. Joshua Kelly, and Larry Roundtree being the three backs that make the team out of camp mm. uh, with Justin Jackson entering. I think he's entering his fourth season, right? Or is it his third season? Fourth. I think it's his fourth season. Uh-huh. Uh, his contract is up at the end of the year anyway, um, and he really hasn't done much on special teams or on offense consistently to stick. So I think he's gonna. he's the guy who's probably on the outside looking in and really has to have an extremely good camp to hang on to a roster spot this season. That is interesting. I haven't heard that. Haven't heard that take. And I, I don't know if I agree. I think Justin Jackson's in, but I, I get your point. I mean, the guy hasn't been healthy and it's hard to kind of make a case for a guy that has shown in bits and spurts that he's good, but just can't get on the field. So let's go ahead and move on to the guy that you think has an expanded role. Let's talk about Gabe neighbors. So neighbors, I've seen some chatter about him. Um, he's been, primary fullback in camp this year. Um, and it seems like Brandon Staley really likes him to help set up the play action and the rollout game for Justin Herbert. So I think it's less about being a short yardage guy and more about helping to really expand the play action game for them to really sell heavy packages, get people to load the box and give Herbert an opportunity to roll out and make big plays with his legs and with his arm on play action. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at. You'll probably see neighbors catch some passes too. Um, maybe get a few carries here and there, but I think he's really there as a lead blocker and to help expand the play action game. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw him lined out uh, quite a bit in camp. So yes, I think they'll probably get the ball in his hands a little bit more often. I mean, as a goal line back, he was two for two. He scored two touchdowns on his two carries. So obviously a small sample size, but effective. So I think that is there, you know, it'll be a interesting decision who they give the ball to on the goal line, if it's going to be neighbors or a guy like Roundtree, So, you know, obviously neighbors can carve out a role on special teams, which is something he's done early on in camp and done early on in his career. So probably a guy that, you know, maybe towards the back end of this roster, I mean, he's listed as a fullback, but a guy that can contribute on special teams. So whether he is a short yardage back or a guy that can 
be the outlet in blocking packages and big packages, then great. But uh, where he's really making his name for himself right now is on special teams and what he's done pretty well so far. Yeah, I believe he's been running with the first team yep. kick and punt coverage team so far. He has. So he seems like he's locked in there. Definitely. So let's talk about these tight ends because there's quite a few of them here. We've got Jared Cook, Donald Parham, the rookie Trey McKitty, Steven Anderson, Matt Sokol, Matt Sabert, and Hunter Kentmoyer. So Jared Cook is the starter. He even caught a touchdown pass from Herbert early in camp, so he's obviously listed as the tight end one. Uh, Donald Parham flashed quite a few times last season. He will get a lot of looks in this offense. I can't wait to see what Lombardi and Staley do with him. We saw Steven Anderson flash a lot last year, and I think this group is a little crowded, but Anderson is a guy who was on first team special teams as well. So, I mean, he could hold on to a spot as the tight end three, maybe compete with Trey McKitty for that tight end three spot with McKitty maybe landing at number four. Cause you know, in college McKitty was more of a move tight end. That's probably what he's going to be in this t- offense. He can be in early on rundowns. Hopefully I thought he'd be a special teams guy right away. Uh, hasn't quite made it there yet, but um, a guy obviously that's going to be in the mix there as the third round pick, he's he's going to have some kind of role and definitely going to make the team. Matt Sokol uh, got some run with the Chargers the last two games last season. And uh, he was more of a blocking tight end, which uh, probably won't be enough for him to earn a role this year, but definitely consideration for practice squad. And then the two UDFAs, Matt Sabert, uh, like Sokol, played at Michigan State. A uh, pretty good athlete with little experience at tight end. And then Hunter Campmoyer played with Herbert at Oregon. So there's a familiar face there. He was a defensive lineman turned tight end. He is more of a block first tight end, but again, a familiar face for Herbert. And both Sabert and Campmoyer probably have to leapfrog Sokol for a practice squad spot. They're going to have to make some real noise if they want to uh, make that. But right now, it seems like it's kind of a four horse race with Jared Cook. Donald Parham, and then Trey McKitty, Steven Anderson, seeing who will win tight end three or four. Obviously, you know, you mentioned it. Cook is the starter. Parham's been running as the primary second tight end and two tight end packages in camp so far. Right. Made quite a few plays um, in the deep and intermediate passing games and in the red zone work on Saturday. He's going to make the team. Um, I think that interesting thing there is with McKitty and Anderson. Um, McKitty was known for his blocking in college. He was a very good blocker. He was praised for being athletic and being able to catch a lot of passes, although I didn't see a lot of that on tape uh, when I studied him for the draft. Anderson was a guy who flashed a bit last year, especially towards the end of the season. I was looking forward to seeing him make the team. Maybe the way they do that is by carrying four tight ends. I I went into this kind of thinking they'd carry three, and it would be Cook, Parham, and McKitty. Um, But like you mentioned, Anderson has been running with that first-team special teams so far in camp. Uh, and it seems like that would give him an inside track. So maybe they keep McKitty strictly as a blocking tight end for now and try to develop his route running and pass catching ability and you and sprinkle in Cook and Parham and Anderson as as receiving options. Uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, Camp Moyer is a guy who the quarterbacks seem to like. They've been throwing to him early on the second and third teams. He's been getting a lot of run. And he does have he has played with Herbert before. So maybe that gets him on the on the practice squad. I mean Sokol has been around, but he hasn't done much. Mm-hmm. And the coaching staff that kept him around is gone. So I don't know what that's worth at this point. Um, maybe they want to get one of their guys on the practice squad and can't more snags that spot. Maybe they keep two tight ends on the practice squad. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, you're looking at for sure three spots being locked up with Cook, Parham, and McKitty. 
And then the interesting thing will be to see if McKitty can take away some of those those uh, practice uh, the uh, special teams snaps in camp, or if Anderson holds on to those and makes that makes it as a fourth tight end, which seems like a waste to me. But I guess if you're if you know McKitty's going to make the roster and you're looking for a spot for Anderson, maybe they can go with that for a couple of weeks and see how it works. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time making a case in my head for keeping a guy like Gabe Neighbors and Steven Anderson where they're back-end guys, special core special teamers when you really need depth at other positions. But, you know, we'll see as these games start to tick off here too. So let's go ahead and move on to wide receivers, and there's quite a few here. Of course, you got Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, the rookie wide receiver Joshua Palmer, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, K.J. Hill, Joe Reed, Jason Moore, Awesome Prol and John Hurst. So obviously we know Keenan and Mike are wide receivers one and two. Um, and then you're looking at a com- at competition for spots three through five, maybe three through six, although I have a hard time seeing them keep six wide receivers, especially if they wind up keeping four tight ends. But early on, Joshua Palmer's looked really good in camp. Mm-hmm. People have raved about his route running, his footwork, his explosiveness, his hands using his frame to his advantage, his catch radius, all that stuff that showed up in his college tape, showing up early on in camp for him. He's making plays left and right with the first and second team. Jalen Guyton has made a couple plays. He's also had some drops in the deep passing game. Tyron Johnson is a guy who's really standing out early in camp, making a lot of plays down the field in the deep and intermediate passing game. seems like every day he's making a huge 50, 60, 70-yard catch for the, for the offense. So he's a guy who... I expect we'll probably win the wide receiver three role coming out of camp with Josh Palmer right on his heels as the wide receiver four. And those guys are probably interchangeable at some point with Palmer probably leapfrogging him at some point during the season as he gets comfortable in the offense and in the NFL. Um, And then you get to a bunch of guys who are all competing for one spot, Jalen Guyton, KJ Hill, Joe Reed, Jason Moore, Austin Prohl, John Hurst. And at that point it comes down to, I think who helps the most on special teams and Hill Reed and Prohl have all been given opportunities to return punts and kicks so far in camp. It seems like Prohl has probably stood out the most in those, in those opportunities. Um, I, I mean, I, th- I feel like I saw enough of KJ Hill returning punts last season to last me a lifetime. I just, <laughs> the instincts just aren't there. The, the explosiveness, the elusiveness, none of that stuff is there bad decision-making. I mean, all that stuff can improve with more reps, I guess, but it's just not something that I need to see. And I don't know that his profile fits this wide receiver room at this point anymore. Reed is a guy who we've heard them talk about using as a gadget player, uh, kind of in the D in the Debo Samuel role. And he's a guy who can also return punts and kicks. So I think that fifth spot probably comes down to Reed and Austin Prohl who has impressed probably the most on special teams. And I don't know. I just have a weird feeling. I kind of have a feeling that Prohl might get that spot, but I could easily see Reed getting it. I, I think it's kind of a toss-up with them right now. Mm-hmm. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a mix at the bottom of this wide receiver depth chart. They're all bunched together. Yeah. Like you mentioned, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, top two wide receivers. Third round pick, Joshua Palmer, was drafted with the idea of being the starting wide receiver for the future with Mike Williams contract expiring next season in 2022. Obviously, he can get a role this year, but they're just kind of looking towards the future, looking for him to be that wide receiver too, or at least a starting wide receiver in this offense later down the line. Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton both showed up last year. Johnson averaged almost 20 yards per catch on 20 receptions, had three touchdowns. You mentioned he caught a couple bombs. Uh, Two of them I saw at training camp. Uh, Guyton was another guy who had more yards than Tyron Johnson. He had five and 11 last year. Also caught three touchdowns. So both guys with three TDs, they have some experience. KJ Hill, Joe Reed, I mean, just disappointing showings last year. They're both currently competing for a returner role, like you mentioned. They both could make the back end of this receiver room if they can get on as returners and show that they can provide something in the passing game as well. But none of them have done that so far during the season, at least last season. So Austin Prohl, a guy you mentioned, obviously fielding kicks. Uh, he bounced around a lot uh, in his young career, went to the XFL, came back to the NFL. Uh, he's got the play speed. He's a shifty slot wide receiver. Could make some room in the no- in the uh, make some noise in the receiver room. And, uh, you know, I think he could obviously cement his role at the back end of that wide receiver depth chart if he can really make some splash plays as a returner. Uh, Jason Moore hung around as practice squad player, was active at quite a few games in 2019 and even got some run last year when injuries struck the Chargers. But, you know, I, we saw him catch a couple passes in Pittsburgh against the Steelers last year. Uh, he only played in one other game. Uh, it's a crowded wide receiver group. I don't think Moore is going to break through that. I think he's going to have a tough time doing that. And like you made the point earlier, there are no ties to any of these practice squad players or that have done the dirty work the last few years with this team. So we'll see about whether he makes a practice squad or not. And John Hurst is a guy who signed a futures contract in January. He landed on the pup list, which is slowing down his chances to make an impression in camp. So he's going to have a real steep hill to climb if he wants to make that at least a practice squad spot at this point. But you know, the wide receiver room starting 53, it's, it's going to be hard for him to make it at this point. Do you see any surprise cuts in this group? Well, uh, like you mentioned, there's probably five wide receivers out of this group. So I think it's going to be a surprise no matter who it's going to be. We're going to see how these games play out and everything. But if you've got Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Joshua Palmer pretty much locked in, they're in stone. Tyron Johnson's probably in pin. You might need some wide out if something happens during <laughs> during preseason. But after that, guys like Jalen Guyton, KJ Hill, Joe Reed, they're all kind of competing for one maybe two, but probably one spot. So, you know, if they're cutting KJ Hill and Joe Reed, I understand it. If Austin Prohl gets in there and Guyton Hill and Reed are gone, that'd be a pretty big surprise. I mean, there's this group is really exciting. I can't wait to see how it plays out because this is a really, really competitive group. 
and they do not have a lot of spots to give up. And there are a lot of guys that have a ton of potential. Yeah. I think, um, I think Guyton's a guy who's on the bubble personally. I know they used him as a deep threat last year and people are excited because he's fast, mm-hmm. but he has issues with drops. He's not a great route runner. He doesn't show up consistently. I'm not really, sh- I think, I feel like he and Tyron Johnson are kind of on the same level, but Johnson is the much better route runner. He's mm-hmm. the much more polished receiver and his yes. hands are more consistent. Agreed. So if those two are kind of competing for f- number four, I feel like Johnson gets that, like you said. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, I just got a feeling about Pro. I think Guyton probably has to have a really, really good camp to beat somebody like Prohl or even Reed or Hill, who I feel like both of them have to have really good camps to stick as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think going into training camp, Guyton probably has a leg up on these guys, but I think at any point they could overtake Jalen Guyton because like I, we were talking about it uh, last year on some podcasts that Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson seem redundant at this point. And Tyron Johnson is, seems to be the better player. So I would definitely think that Tyron Johnson would get that wide receiver four spot. And then KJ Hill and Joe Reed have just stunk up the place last year. I know that Joe Reed made some plays in training camp. I know KJ Hill had a drop or two in camp so far. There's It's just been an up and down performance from all those guys. And Jalen Guyton definitely had a bunch of drops last year. So Prohl could definitely sneak in there. I could see that because there's a lot of potential there, but there's also some bad play from all these guys. Yeah, and I think Prohl brings speed. Um which could replace Guyton's speed. He's a little bit more explosive, a little shiftier than Guyton is. Guyton's kind of the straight line. Prohl is, I think, a little bit more short area quickness, yeah. more quick twitch, which is something this offense lacks. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But that's definitely, in my opinion, one of, if not the most compelling camp battles this year is watching how that wide receiver room plays out. For sure. I totally agree. And I can't wait to see these preseason games and how these guys – show up with all this competition. This is going to be good. So let's go ahead and move on to the offensive line. And we'll start on the outside. We'll talk about these tackles. Uh, Chargers have Brian Balaga, the rookie first round pick, Rashawn Slater, Trey Pipkins, Storm Norton, Tyree St. Louis, Darius Harper, and Kyle Spaulding. We know the starters are Balaga on the right side and the first round pick will man the blind side. Trey Pipkins has been mixed in with the starters at right tackle when Balaga needed to rest, so Pipkins has been playing both right and left tackle in camp. Storm Norton playing right tackle with the second team and was selected a starter for three of the last five games last year. It seems the battle will be between Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton for the next tackle off the bench. Uh, The Chargers tendered uh, Tyree St. Louis in March, so St. Louis can play tackle, but last year filled in for Trey Turner at guard. So if they only keep four tackles or want to go, I mean, five tackles and want to go with a guy that has versatility. St. Louis would make sense because he could play outside and he could also play inside at guard. Uh, in terms of the UDFA's Darius Harper, there was some things I liked about Harper. He's raw, has pretty good size, good athleticism, kind of projects as a swing tackle early. I think this is a guy who could definitely sneak out of the practice squad as a developmental project. And then Kyle Spaulding, who was a former Aztec, my alma mater, who he was recruited as a tight end and not much. He's had some stability at tackle. He started his junior year, senior year, but um, not a ton there. So uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. There's obviously Belago slider. You've got Trey Pipkins, you've got Storm Norton. And then where does Tyree St. Louis fit in? How nice is it to go into a season a, pre, a 
a camp anyway, knowing who your left and your starting left and right tackles are and not having a camp battle between like Pipkins and Trent Scott and whoever the hell is out there actually knowing who's going to be there <laughs> and being comfortable with that is such a good feeling. Yeah. Um, so we know who the starters are. It sounds like Pipkin and Norton are pretty much locked in. Um, and I agree with you. I think St. Louis probably sticks as that versatile kind of utility offensive lineman who can play inside and outside. That's my guess. Not much mystery to this group, I don't think. I think the only real concern is is there isn't a lot of proven, reliable depth. Everybody on the back end of the roster is basically a project. There's nobody that you can look to and say, I, I'm comfortable with him if Rashawn Slater gets hurt or struggles, or I'm comfortable with him when Brian Bulaga gets hurt. Like these are, There's nobody there that gives you that kind of feeling. So I think that's a concern. Maybe hope maybe kind of watching camp and see if they add an, a more experienced tackle later in camp or once cuts, cuts start being made. Um, I think that's a possibility there. And I agree with you. I think um, Harper probably sticks on the practice squad. I don't think there's a spot for him on the roster just because of St. Louis's versatility and because they seem like they're pretty dug in with Pipkins and Norton. So I think any – any designs on Darius Harper or Kyle Spaulding making the roster are probably wishful thinking. Yeah. I think those spots are pretty well locked up unless one of those guys is just phenomenal in camp and either Pipkins or Norton really, really struggles or gets hurt. Yeah. 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 I agree with you. So let's go inside. Let's talk about these interior linemen before we go on to special teams. So on the interior and we, you talked about it pretty comfortable with a lot of these names, Corey Lindsley, Ode Abuji, Matt Filer, Scott Questenberry, the rookie Brendan Hymas, Nate Gilliam, and Ryan Hunter. Yeah, so uh, Daniel Popper said earlier this week that the uh, the starting offensive line is set with uh, Filer playing Matt Filer playing left guard, Corey Lindsley playing center, and uh, Ode Abushi playing right guard. Those spots are locked in. Um, so again, no position battles going on in the offensive line in camp, which is so refreshing and almost feels unbelievable. Yeah. to be honest with you, with everything they've been through in the last few years. Unknown territory um, here. Yep, definitely unknown territory. <laughs> and then you got to figure Scott Quisenberry will make the roster just because he can play guard and center. And then, again, a lot of question marks, a lot of inexperience, a lot of projects with draft pick Brendan Hymas, Nate Gilliam, and Ryan Hunter. Um, all three of those guys probably battling for one spot. This is another position group where I could see the Chargers – kind of monitoring things late in camp and seeing if they can add some experience at guard or somewhere along the interior um, uh, once cuts are made. Uh, but, you know, you'll have, uh, I would assume Hymas makes the roster and then probably, you know, one of Gilliam or Hunter and then Tyree St. Louis is that utility offensive lineman like we talked about. Not really inspiring a whole lot of confidence in terms of the depth at tackle or along the interior offensive line. So hopefully they find a way to make some additions once cuts start being made and find some experienced guys who can, who have at least played at this level. Yeah. Yeah. We know Lindsley was the prize acquisition this off season. Like you mentioned, Filer uh, and Abuji are the starting guards. Quesenberry is such a strange case guy who could play guard and center. And then when Trey Turner goes down last season, it's not Quesenberry up, but then they put the tackle in St. Louis in at guard. So you know, I, I just don't know how this new coaching staff views him. The old one obviously did, had no trust in him. Uh, he's played mostly special teams, so he's going to have to make some noise and, uh, you know, do well on the 
on the offensive line to show he can prove it. But I mean, I think his spot is pretty much locked up anyway. He can, he's going to contribute on special teams. He's got the versatility of playing all the interior spots. So you, you expect him to make it, but you know, there's also a guy, Brendan Hymas, who's a guy that w- they drafted in the fifth round. They're going to keep, he was a steady performer at Nebraska. He played both tackle spots. He's going to kick inside for the chargers. So, you know, he can play in, he's going to play inside for you, but in a pinch, he could play outside. So he's got that versatility like St. Like St. Louis, which is going to be a added bonus for him to stick on the roster. And then, you know, it, it then gives him more flexibility is Hymas the, Let's transition Questenberry out next year type of draft pick. I, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see how this thing shapes out. But like you mentioned, we know the starters, the three starters are going to stay. Filer, Abuji, Lindsley. Questenberry is going to make it. Hymas is going to make it. And then do they keep a sixth guy on the inside? Is it going to be Nate Gilliam? Will it be Ryan Hunter? I mean, Gilliam was a guy who stuck around the practice squad last year. He was Herbert's roommate. I think he may provide competition at the bottom of the depth chart, but I don't think there's much there. But I think they will have to fill one of, if not both, these tackle and interior linemen during cuts or sign a free agent because there's got to be some some better depth pieces there. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they probably wind up keeping five tackles and five interior linemen for 10 total linemen. That's my guess. Yeah. And then it's just a question of how that shakes out. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Set the timer. Let's do special teams. Long snapper, Cole Maza, Ryan Langlin, Langan, Langlin, uh, who cares? Anything here? Cole Maza. Nothing. Okay. Punter, Ty Long, Lachlan Edwards. Ty Long. Yeah, whoever can kick it further. Kicker, Michael Badgley, Tristan Visciano, and Alex Kessman. They've got three kickers in camp. None of them are very good. Uh <laughs> You know, the big knock on Badgley right now is that he's not very accurate outside of 40 yards. He also does not put the ball in the end zone on on, um, kickoffs. on kickoffs. So those are the two knocks, the things that they're trying to improve on. Kessman had a lot of – had. I think he completed like 70% of his kicks from outside of 40 yards uh, at Pitt the last four years. Viscaiano didn't get a lot of opportunities outside of 40 yards, and his accuracy was a major issue at Washington He's a guy who I believe he only converted like 60% of his kicks or something like that over two years as a, as a place kicker at Washington. So granted that was, you know, 2016 and 2017, but that's really all we have to go off of. He did make all three of his attempts for, for San Francisco last year. Um, I just feel like there isn't a lot of accuracy in this group as a whole. And the coaching staff will probably go with the guy who has at least shown some ability to convert those kicks uh, at the NFL level, I think Badgley probably winds up winning this. Um, but none of these options are terribly exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not at all. Yeah. So Badgley obviously has to bounce back in a big way. Uh, you know, it's obviously everything outside of 40 that he had trouble with. Like you mentioned, uh, this guy, I mean, uh, what can you say? Last year he's three for three. He had a long of 47, made both of his extra points, but had troubles early on in his career. The UDFA, Alex Kessman, Throughout his year at Pitt, he was 69 and 96 on field goals and 134 of 138 on extra points. He ranked second all time at Pitt in kick scoring and third in overall scoring. This isn't exciting. Any other questions you have about special teams, direct them to at Bolt Fan in Denver. We say that every year. We don't want to talk about it. So that does it. We didn't, I mean, we alluded to it, but we didn't really talk specifically about return men. 
you want to talk about more special teams here? I mean, those are probably the most exciting of the special teams. Okay. Positions. And then, so we already <laughs> talked about everybody else and then you add in Nasir Adderley and then we're done, right? What else? I mean, what else do we need to do? I think Adderley is going to be the kick returner, but there's, I guess, a lot of uncertainty about the punt returner unless Prohl wins it. Okay. So who do you think wins punter punt return? Right now, probably Austin Prohl. All right. There we go. We talked about it. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I am at Garrett on Twitter. Jamie? At lightning underscore round. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.